Hello, my name is Alan Cunningham, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Electing C. Uh, through VoteSee, I will be hosting this new show, bringing you in-depth interviews with young elected leaders across the country. As Vote Z worked throughout last year to get young people elected, we hope these conversations will help inspire Gen Z students and activists to take the next steps to run for office themselves. Today, I am truly humbled and honored to have a friend be our first guest on today, Ed Ford, who is a councilman for Middletown, Connecticut. Um, he was formerly on the Board of Education. He's an ordained reverend, and he was elected at the age of 19, is that right? And um, right. was elected uh, in 2019 as the youngest member of the council. Um, thank you so much, uh, Councilman, for being on with us today. Is it okay if I call you Councilman for the interview or whatever you want? That is totally fine. That's, <laughs> I know we know each other uh, before I was Councilman, but yeah, that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Well, my first question is pretty simple and it's just why, why did you run for office? Yeah, um, that's an awesome question that I get asked um, very often these days. And uh, I really have to just reflect and look back on where I was um, after graduating high school, going into college. I was starting to pay more attention to the political system, right? And in um, high school, excuse me, you know, we went to the same high school. I ran for uh, student class vice president. So that was like a little, you know, dipping my toe into student activism a little bit, uh, becoming a student leader. And I felt, you know what, I want to give back to my community. I want to give back on an even broader level. I just graduated and I know what the issues are that the students are facing. If you looked at the current Board of Education, uh, the school board, it wasn't, you know, there was no young people representing uh, us uh, as young folks on, on the board. And there was a lot of great people, don't get me wrong, but, you know, we want to see uh, our representation and our voice at the table as well. And having a vote as well when it comes to policy decisions when it comes to budget decisions and curriculum so i decided you know what i'm 19 i'm throwing my head in let's let's do this I, you know a lot of people uh don't get involved in the politics until they get later on in life you know in the 40s 50s 60s even but i said you know what despite my age i know that i have a voice my voice matters and no matter what anybody says or thinks i'm going to uh go forward and represent the people uh, who I know are struggling, who I know uh, who sometimes their voice gets over, uh, overheard, uh, you know, cast to the side. And so, you know, I don't want to see that any longer. I'm going to be the change I want to see. And boom, I just started knocking on doors and canvassing <laughs> and then, you know, ended up getting out. Excuse me, I got elected at 20, actually. It was a couple months, my birthday's in September. So I, I thought I was 19, but I was 20 <laughs> at the time. And then uh, and here I was as a 20-year-old Board of Education member in Connecticut, you know. Now that leads me to a number of my questions, but the first one that I'm really most curious about has is, has there ever been a time where you being a young person has affected the conversation um, that the, either the Board of Ed or the council has talking about in a personal way that really made a difference in a policy or um, any sort of conversation? Yeah, most certainly. Um, there has been conversations where I've been able to talk to individual leaders in the community and let them know my thoughts and feelings on educational issues. You know, fighting for equity and fighting uh, to advance opportunity for students is very big and near and dear to my heart. And so that's something that I would always speak up about, always speak to people, whether it was in a meeting or uh, just on a phone call, right? Um, you know, and when I went to the Board of Education, excuse me, the City Council meeting um, a couple of years ago, this was when I was still a Board of Ed member, I very strongly expressed my my thoughts 
to the city council respectfully, but very strongly to let them know that they need to make sure they adequately fund education. Um, this is not something that we need to spend a lot of uh, uh, time debating on cuts. No, we need to make sure that we're adequately funding it. And that's what the conversation was, you know, going back and forth between funding and cuts and, and how are we going to do this. And um, the community came out and, and a lot of people spoke, but, you know, I feel like that was uh, a pivotal point for me in my advocacy because I made sure that my voice was heard, even in a body that I'm not technically on yet, but I'm making sure that my voice gets heard here because when they go to vote, um, they need to know the concerns of the constituents that I serve. They need to know the concerns of the people that I've spoken to, that the families I've spoken to, and they don't always hear that. You know, we don't always hear everybody's voices. Again, going back to what I was saying about some voices being overlooked and uh, unheard. You know, so I'm always making sure that I speak up and, and speak loudly to make sure that those voices are elevated and amplified uh, for the needs, not just wants and desires, but needs of children, needs of students and their families. Now, I know um, education has been one of your uh, biggest issues on the council, even beforehand, and the Board of Education. I'm wondering, does that stem um, not only through, for, from your interest, but also from your time as a student leader? So like what, so what, now that you represent the town in which you were born and raised and went to high school, has that transition from student leadership uh, to uh, public servant, has that really been a major factor in driving your interest in education? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Um, you know, that senior year of high school um, was my first year really actively being involved in what was going on in my school. I was one of those students for a long time where I just went to school. I, I kind of didn't really care too much. You know, my grades were okay. Like I wasn't, you know, <laughs> some uh, uh, 4.0 uh, superstar athlete, super involved city, uh, student council student. And that's okay if you if you are, you know, there's a lot of students who were doing that, but I just wasn't that. And so all of a sudden my senior year, boom, it's like a, a, a 180. I just totally turned around and um, did something different for the first time. Um, and it really showed me a lot, man. It showed me like, you know, our curriculum needs to be updated. <laughs> it showed me like our, our resources, like are some schools actually getting the dollars that they need when it comes to uh, student lunch, student textbooks? Why are these textbooks not updated yet? You know, that was a big issue um, for us that we, that we saw happening a lot and that students still speak up about, um, even after I graduated, they were continuing to speak up about it. Um, student safety, uh, you know, and then even, uh, of course, there's other things on, on a more of a class level when we're talking about, uh, when I say class, I mean like, you know, 12th grade, 11th grade. Um, we're talking about how are we going to finish off this year as a class? Are we going to be able to have group activities, funding for group activities? How, we how do we fundraise to make sure that this senior class can leave and remember the memories here um, in a good way? And, you know, fundraising was a big thing and being able to make sure that the class's voice was involved. What do you want to do? We're not just going to have an event. Um, I remember I went to a meeting with my friend Tyrell, who was student class president. Um, at the time, uh, Tyrell Brown, and him and I were in a meeting just full of adults. Him and I were the only young people at that table, and all the adults, respect to them, were saying, oh, the kids are going to do this, we're going to do that, this is where we're going to put the money, and we were kind of like, hey, excuse me, actually, they don't, they don't want to do that. They really don't want to do that. They want to do X, Y, Z, and I don't know if you guys have given them an option or a choice, and they looked at us like, oh, well, okay, well, 
some of them were kind of, you know, gave us a little pushback. And then some of them were receptive to us and, and uh, us speaking up on behalf of the students' uh, voice and what they wanted uh, their senior year to be like. So, you know, of course, that, that really drove my advocacy. It built up the passion within me um, that led to me ultimately running for Board of Ed that still today leads to me uh, advocating as a city councilman for student needs, for adequate education funding, and for equity and expanding opportunity within our educational system. I'm so glad you brought up Terrell because I forgot to mention earlier that you two, after being elected uh, student body president and vice president, then were elected to citywide office um, as plan on planning and zoning commission for Terrell and you elected to the Board of Education where you became, I both believe was the two youngest black Republicans ever elected in Connecticut and then got yeah. featured on the news, um, even national news on Fox News. I'm just wondering, what was that experience like um, right after you got elected? That was surreal. We were not expecting that at all, man. Like all of a sudden one day I was just in the kitchen making lunch and I get a call from a producer at Fox News that is saying, hey, we wanna have you and Tyrell come to Fox and Friends and we'll send a car and what's your address? And, and they just set it up real quick. And we end up going to the studio and we're like, oh my God, like we're, we're really here. <laughs> you know, this is, a, this is a pretty cool experience behind the scenes of TV and uh, media production. Um, and we sit on the couch with the host, you know, we got to meet them, very nice people, and just share our story of, hey, we were two young kids who decided to run for office and it didn't stop us that we were young. We decided to just put our hats in the ring and look where it got us, you know. And I really would like to focus on the first, like your first decision to run and how you came to that. Was there someone who inspired you to run? What what gave you that first push to actually put your name on the ballot? You were already a college student. You were in college at the time, running for office in your hometown. What gave you that courage to um, put your name on the ballot with your friend? Excellent question. Um, you know, this will probably tie into a little bit of what we'll talk about soon, which is my faith. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer. I'm a born again Christian. Um, and I really was spending a lot of time reflecting and praying and asking God, like, you know, I want to get involved. I want to get back. How do I do that in a way where um, I can be effective and I can truly represent? Again, it's all about representing the constituents, um, representing their needs, and a, a demographic that was totally underrepresented. And so, um, how do I do that? And I, I'm studying things, right? I'm studying political leaders. I'm studying uh, history. You know, you know, uh, political United States history. I'm looking at uh, the local politics and and seeing. Uh, the lack of diversity. And, and I look and I see, you know, when you look at people like, you know, Barack Obama, you look at uh, Colin Powell, uh, Condoleezza Rice, and, and, and even now today having Kamala Harris, you look at people who were really just average people, everyday people who decided to step up and, and throw their hats in there and say that I am going to be the one to give it my all and, and try the best I can to make a difference on this earth. <laughs> you know, I'm just gonna, and they became extraordinary. They became widely known um, activists and uh, uh, you know, policymakers, and then a president and now a vice president. You know, there's, there's, there was a lot that was able to happen because they made the initial step to move forward. And so I decided to make that initial step to say, you know, I'm going to move forward. After a lot of prayer, like I said, I really felt uh, a push within my spirit to move forward without fear without question, go forward and run and uh, see what the outcome brings. 
But whatever you do, even in the run, you're going to make a difference. I do want to talk about your faith, but before that, I really am curious. Was there a, who, was there any individuals who were pushing you to do this or giving you sort of the reassurance that I'm not crazy for doing this. This is actually something that I could really do that. Cause a lot of people, right. um, you know, they either, they don't have that support or they're looking for that. Or like, I'm just curious who gave you that push or if there was right, right. A hundred percent. An excellent question. And, uh, you know, when it comes to my family, number one, my family really was huge and, uh, uh, encouraging me. And when I told them, I said, you know, I want to run for it. They, they backed me. I mean, my, my mother, my father, my sister, I told all of them and, and each one of them, you know, were, was like, yeah, of course, of course you should do this. Of course I'll back you, you know? <laughs> and it's like, wow, you know, thank you. Thank you for that super, you know, being encouragement. Um, I was nervous that, you know, uh, they would say, oh, you know, son, you should wait a little bit, you know, you finish up college and everything. No, they backed me all the way. Um, my friend, of course, Tyrell, backed me very strongly. And my small community of, of people, I have, you know, mentors, my church community, um, and, you know, growing up within the Middletown community, having several mentors here, they were able to push me forward. Like, uh, you know, a friend of mine, um, uh, Minister Alan Marshall, he prayed for me very well. Uh, he, he's been praying for me for years, and he definitely prayed for me. My, my Another friend of mine, Thomas Holman, um, he prayed for me. And he pushed me and supported me as well. Uh, you know, uh, my uncle who uh, was living with us at the time from Georgia prayed for me, pushed me. Those are several individuals I can name that, uh, that, that really had my back and really encouraged me. Even when I felt like giving up, they encouraged me. My family, friends, uh, church family, and sense of community. So it wasn't really like it was just one person, but it was just all of these people together who were in my life that were close to me that really uplifted me and kept me going, man. Even on tough days, they kept me going. And now I'm, I'll ask you, um, I'm just curious how, cause we've already talked pretty extensively about it, but really how has faith been a driving force in your activism from the start? Um, what, what specifically um, does it drive you? Um, I know you talked about representation, but does it go beyond that? Of course, um, it really goes to the point of uh, human dignity. It goes to the point of human rights, making sure that people are treated fairly and equally. Um, you know, and it's definitely almost like second nature growing up in the African-American church and uh, understanding that the church had been such a pivotal leader in the fight for civil rights throughout the history of this country, that uh, the African-American church, uh, you know, led the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s. You have men like Reverend Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Reverend C.T. Vivian, and others who were really big. I and mean, these, were, these were church leaders. They weren't politicians. They were church leaders that were leading the civil rights movement for, for human rights, for social justice. And so, you know, of course, it, it, that always weighs on my heart. And even now, especially after getting through a year such as 2020, where we saw a lot of racial inequities be uncovered for people to see finally. Um, and a lot of things happening regarding uh, brutality and mistreatment of African-American men and women within our society. A lot of that being uh, coming out now, we understand fully the importance of, of, of uh, the church's role and, and, and the values that the church holds and pushing still to this day for equality. So growing up in that environment and in an atmosphere that is already conscious about, you know, socially conscious about fighting for rights, uh, for, for human dignity and individuals. 
it definitely uh, always was an inspiration for me and in my heart to make sure that I'm doing what's right, make sure that I'm fighting for people. If I hold an elected office, if I'm an advocate, whatever I'm doing, I just want to make sure that I'm standing up for the right things and the right principles. So that though, the, the church really did play a big uh, uh, part in my life and in my faith and my and my mindset towards the advocacy and the work that I do and understanding that this is more than just about uh, the surface of, you know, uh, let's, let's get things done. You know, no, it's about what's right, getting things done that actually will make a difference in the lives of generations to come even after I'm gone, you know, even after we're gone, it's another generation. It's about making sure that we make progress for them. No, totally. And I was going to ask because as not only a leader in your church, but also an elected official, this summer must have been incredibly impactful on you as it was for really the entire country um, as a response. And I was just wondering, did you feel um, a sense of really sort of uh, emboldened to act or, um, um, or sort of a push to do something that had not been done before or address something that had not been addressed before on the Common Council? Most certainly. Oh, definitely big time. There's no way you could go through a year like 2020 and see all of what happened. And in the midst of the pandemic, it's like the world froze. So everyone had no choice but to see it. There's no way you could go through that and not come out on the other side um, slightly more, at least slightly more mature, <laughs> at least more, you know, a different, slightly a different person in the way that you see things, at least. Um, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, seeing those things that happen, and I'll, I'm going to name them just straight up, you know, for me, what really impacted me um, was especially when I, when I read up on the story and saw the video come out on Ahmaud Aubrey. Um, that was such a heartbreaking instance for me. I was up, I'll never forget it. I was up one night um, and I was reading up on the story and I was, I was seeing what happened to this man. And it had to be like one or two, one or two in the morning. And I was just like, just had a heartache, really had a heartache. It really hit me hard. And uh, I put out a post uh, on Facebook and I was just like, you know, uh, out of respect for Ahmaud Aubrey and, and crying out for justice really. And um, at that moment, it was like, you know, I'm, I'm so tired of seeing this, just so tired of this same pattern over and over and over again. And it's just like no justice gets rendered. Um, and then just a couple months later, you know, of course, we had the, the instance that happened with Breonna Taylor and what happened in her own home, what happened with George Floyd. And everybody could see that that video was all over Twitter, all over Facebook. It was just like it just like you put a nail in something and you just keep hitting it. And it just it hurts to see that, man, like everybody hurt from that. But it's about where do we go after that? You know, we're feeling this hurt and this pain. But what do we do with it to be productive, to make sure that these kind of things don't happen again, or that if they do happen, folks know that there are consequences that will be rendered and that this is not okay. And so, um, you know, as, as a, a, a common council person, I'm just trying to figure out what can I do in my role. So I start to use my voice as a leader, of course, in speaking up that we need to make sure that we have change. We need to start advocating for those who uh, are, are being brutalized. And we need to start looking at racial inequities across the board, not just police brutality, but also what's going on because it's, there's a lot of intersectionality going on with racial inequities, which with what affects education later down the road affects a child's interactions and, and how they uh, are treated 
by by law enforcement and and, and being in the prison system. Uh, you know, the school to prison pipeline. I don't know if you've heard of that data statistic where it says that a child's reading level, uh, if, it, if it's not up to the reading level by third grade, it increases that child's chances of going to prison one day. And so things like that, I don't know if a lot of people are aware of, but we have to look at that and say, how do we, affi- how do we fix that? Okay, we have a literacy problem. We need to make sure that we are teaching kids adequately um, liter- adequate literacy skills at an early enough age to keep them on track and to help them in their educational progress um, so, that this, so that they don't become the statistic that we're talking about right now. So things like that intersects with, with, a, with a prison system. Like, but before, people aren't thinking of that, right? So we're looking at racial inequities across the board. And here in Middletown, one of the things that we've decided to do is form an anti-racism task force an anti-racism task force to look at these inequities in housing and criminal justice and education all across the board. And let's try to solve this. We have a meeting even coming up on Monday. Let's just try to solve this. We have a report of feedback from uh, citizens of color in our community, from black residents in our community. They've told us the problems that they face. Let's put this report in front of us and figure out how to solve it. You know, uh, regarding the statistic I just told you about the literacy gap, about the school to prison pipeline, we have already uh, begun building upon uh, establishing quality early pre-K, uh, you know, with, with Bridge to Brilliance being a program that Middletown Public Schools has set up. And I had a hand in that when I was on the Board of Education, setting up a program to put into the, hand, uh, the hands of students and families uh, tablets, you know, and allowing them to have this software uh, and, and download it to their tablets as well. Um, that will teach them a quality early childhood curriculum to prepare them in reading, math, science, all of those things, so that when they get to kindergarten, they at least have a base level understanding and they're on track, right? So we're taking actual actions here in Middletown to try to address some of these inequities and address these systemic problems. We're not just saying it and just declaring things, but we're actually serious about the work of fixing uh, the racial inequality that is around us. You know, that's great. That's a great point. Um, And I really just want to say also that I was there. um, uh, I was there for the Juneteenth um, um, celebration in Middletown, uh, Middletown, where I did see you and all the other community leaders speak. And I thought that was a really impactful event. um, And especially your words in particular were incredibly impactful. And I um, want to say that the steps Middletown has taken in the wake of this are significant. But do you believe that it has done enough? And if so, what do you believe is the critical thing that it is not addressing yet? That's a very good question. Um, to be honest with you, Alan, and I have the, the mouthful that I just said, I just said a lot, but no, it still is not enough. <laughs> we, we can do more and we have to do more. Um, you know, there's a lot of issues that, that we face all across this country and we just have to do our part. Uh, we, we're beginning to, to, you know, do that. We've begun in the last two to three years, but after two to three years of work, um, you can't stop and say that you're done. You know, we're really just getting the ball started here. And so when we are looking at even housing and we look at how we have a lack of affordable housing, we need to look at that issue. When we, when we look at uh, minority businesses and the opportunities that minority businesses may or may not have, they actually don't have as many opportunities as they should when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, being able to grow and prosper in our city's economy. We need to make sure that we're doing more to try to, to address some of these inequities um, and, and hiring practices when it comes to city hall, 
and making sure we're hiring a diverse workforce. That's a big thing that I've heard for a long time that there's been uh, a lack of that for, for years and people are, are tired of seeing that. They wanna see a diverse uh, workforce. Is there some sort of anti-nepotism uh, policy? Is there something that we can do to create a more diverse workforce? So there's a lot of things that I'm naming that are very specific to Middletown that are things that we need to focus on and really um, begin to work on. We've started the conversation, but we haven't really gotten to the point of policy changes and making a lot of progress. Uh, we can see the manifestation and the results um, in those areas. So we've got the ball rolling. The ball needs to keep going many more miles. That's what I'll say. <laughs> and this, this is just a quick question that I've, I've been really curious about. Do you believe, and this is for either your time on the Board of Education or the City Council, do you believe, have you seen the results or um, the fruits of your work and you being as an elected official, have you seen um, your impact sort of come to fruition as an elected official yet in any, in any sort of respect? Yeah, certainly. Well, you know, just mentioning the, the few policy points that I, that I uh, just uh, talked on a few minutes ago about the Bridge to Brilliance, uh, early childhood education, uh, quality pre-K program, right? The universal pre-K program that we, we put together, um, you know, and uh, we had uh, it was public-private partnerships going on to, to try to bring that to fruition and being able to, you know, sponsor and advocate that uh, on the Board of Ed uh, was certainly something that I saw as a piece of work that I had a hand in. Many people had a hand in, but I had a hand in that I was able to see come to pass. Um, and then also seeing with this anti-racism task force, the formulation of that, that was a, a combination of people that were putting that together. And uh, I sit on a general council committee. It's one of my council assigned committees. It deals with law, ordinances, the legal dealings of the city. And so um, I actually, having sitting on that committee, I had a hand in being able to craft the legislation and the, the ordinance of what this task force is going to look like. And so even seeing those things, those are, you know, a couple of things I've named in, in my short time on the council, but um, I'm looking forward to getting more stuff done, man. Honestly, like I said, we got, we got a long way to go. <laughs> and I, I want to transition back to elections because this is what really what we're focusing on uh, to an extent in this yeah. podcast. And I'm just something I've always been curious about um, politics is what is the initial reaction from party people? I know like there's a saying like all politics is local and I'm sure you know local politics quite well. What was the initial reaction from the local party leaders when you wanted to put your name on the ballot? The initial reaction um, from what I saw was very enthusiastic, mm -hmm. uh, was very supportive. Um, I mean, they, they endorsed me to be on the ticket, uh, the local Republican town committee um, at the time in uh, 20, 2017, this happened. Um, they, they were very, very supportive of putting my name forward. And, and I'm appreciative of that still. Um, and, and same thing even for council, you know, putting my name forward. Um, and, and as a young person, you know, as a person of color, being able to put my hat in the ring, um, you know, of course, it's, it's never easy. You're going up, you're going in an uphill battle, I'll say. But um, when you have support behind you, it, it certainly is something that you appreciate. Um, and, and, you know, you, you realize at the end of the day that, um, the support of the community is what really puts you over though. You know, we talk about party politics and, and local politics is, is, it's similar, but different. There's a lot of different things in local politics to make it separate from the national scene of what we're seeing. When you look on the local level, you, you see Republicans and Democrats working together a lot more 
and finding a lot more common ground because it's all about the community. It's about the local issues that, that yeah, it's your neighbors. It's mm-hmm. what's about, you know, your schools, uh, you know, your, your roads and infrastructure, your businesses on Main Street. Like, there's not a whole lot, in my opinion, at least, that you should be disagreeing on. You can mm-hmm. find a reason to disagree if you just mm-hmm. want to. But if you really want to, you mm-hmm. should be able to find a heck of a lot of reasons to agree and get things done. Um, and so that's the approach that I take. And I think the community sees that. Mm-hmm. And so they support me. I get support from from people no matter what their political mm-hmm. party is. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm humbled by it. And, you know, I'd said at the beginning of the podcast that you are um, the youngest member of that city council, but not far off is actually the second person would be the mayor. So I'm really quite, um, curious, what is it like working with such a young city council, uh, elected now government, um, a young and diverse um, elected government? It is um, definitely interesting in a good way. And I say that because, I, like I previously just said, we work together very well when it comes to these bipartisan initiatives. A lot of the things that we've done, all bipartisan, you know, the anti-racism task force, declaring racism a public health crisis is another thing we've done. Um, by those both being bipartisan acts, when it comes to the issue of climate change, we passed the climate emergency resolution that was something that was bipartisan and unanimous. So it's like, it's interesting because you don't normally see that. And you've got now, you've got a lot of people who are uh, very diverse, who've got the most diverse city council we've ever seen in the city's history with electing four black individuals and the first black woman. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see this new dynamic compared to maybe the old council, which was a little bit, um, you know, older and maybe a little bit older of the politics, right? Younger people, I feel like what we see as Gen Zers and millennials, um, and this is just me broadly speaking, but what I see at least is that we can find a lot more common ground in working on these issues such as climate change, right? We can find a lot more com- common ground working on these issues such as education. Or, you know, we, we're gonna have some disagreements and differences, but there tends to be more of a willingness and a wanting desire to work together because we, understand that we're going to be facing these issues uh, for the next 20, 30, 40 years. So we, we're like, you know what, let's get to the bottom of this now, <laughs> you know, so that, so that decades from now, our grandchildren won't be having the same conversations that we're having because we didn't play our part. So if we got to cross the aisle, we got to work together, we got to get things done. That's our mindset. And that's the mindset that I've, I'm observing a lot more being a young person in politics and seeing other young people in politics uh, operate. I see that a lot. And I'm really curious, this is something I've always been curious about you. How are you able to juggle going to school, being a student, while also running for office, and then eventually being an elected official? How is balancing that um, for you? Crazy, man. (laughs) It was crazy at the time, man. I was like, man, running a mile a minute. Like, I would go to class, come back, and then knock on like 100 doors, and then have to go to sleep at night to wake up. To, to do it again, right? And then once a- actually getting elected, then I'm, I'm going to class and going to meetings and class and meetings. So it, it was a lot, but you know, definitely having the energy and keeping yourself on a healthy diet, exercise, I, I exercise regularly. Um, I used to definitely go on a lot of runs and everything, still do now, but that was a big thing for me was running, right? Like going, making sure I'm keeping my heart rate up and everything. And it definitely was, was good for me because, I, you know, having that time and keeping my health intact helped me balance a lot of this crazy, just whirlwind of a schedule. <laughs> so 
that's a big thing is keeping your health intact and uh, time management, really. That's that's another big thing, too, is understanding that, um, okay, you got to manage your time carefully here, making sure that you're not overkilling your schedule and overdoing it, because then no matter how healthy you keep yourself at that point, you'll drain yourself, you'll, you'll, you'll burn out. And so that's another thing as well, time management. When you were first knocking on doors, uh, what was the reception that you got from people? Like, what was the average sort? You can say the craziest if you want, but what was the sort of... Um, <laughs> average response from people when a uh, tw- almost tw- almost 20 year old knocking on the door asking for a vote um, for the first time in their community what was that re- what was the response you got there it was mostly positive but I definitely got some mixed reviews I'll say um, <laughs> there were folks who were like like um, okay like what are you what are you doing what are you doing out here you're supposed to be uh, you know doing other things I had folks tell me sometimes no, you, you know, live your life. Go. You're supposed to be going to party and stuff like that. What are you doing out here? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I never had a grown person tell me to go party. Like, honestly, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, okay, um, that, that was different. But it, it's just really, you know, it was kind of mixed with some folks who who were looking kind of like, you know, you're, you're young, you shouldn't be, you know. But overall, again, I'll say the majority of folks were supportive, took me seriously and then came out and voted for me. So it's like, that's the piece of it where it's like, don't ever underestimate yourself because the impact you can have as a young person, you'd be surprised how many people will back you up, take you seriously and support you, so. And that really goes right into my um, sort of concluding question that I wanted to ask you. What advice would you give to people who are contemplating getting involved either in, in elected politics, local politics, any sort of office, what would you give to advice to uh, convince those people to run? Or if you have any like first steps that they should take, what would you tell them? Most definitely. I would say, um, don't be afraid. Go forward and for what you believe in. If you feel very strongly about an issue and you feel like that issue is not being addressed forcefully enough, that uh, you know people are kind of overshadowing your voice and the voice of others in your community, step up. If you feel that calling is upon you, step up and go forward no matter what the critics might say. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, if you can make that difference, if you can be the voice uh, for change that no one else was willing to do, then, hey, you can sleep at night pretty well, I think. <laughs> so just don't be afraid, you know, no matter what the critics have to say. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Ed Ford is a councilman, again, for Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, he's also a friend and a great public servant. And I'm really happy that you could be our first guest today on the podcast. Um, so again, thank you again. And um, I hope to speak to you soon again in person, hopefully. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. And I'm honored. And I hope and wish you much success in your future endeavors and for this podcast. All right. Thank you. <laughs>